Are you sick and tired of throwing out your favorite white sheets because of pesky period stains? Are you looking for a more comfortable alternative to pads and tampons? Then you need the next leak-proof underwear in your life. I have a pair for every day of my cycle and I cannot live without them. They are super absorbent and hold up to eight tampons worth of blood. And you can just pop them in the wash when you're done. It's that easy. Find out why millions of people who menstruate, like me, have made the switch to that leak-proof life and save their white sheets in the process. Use code GIRLBOSS for 15% off only at Nix.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. And thank me later. Hello there. Welcome back to Girlboss Radio with me, your host, Avery. I'm the founder and CEO of Bloom, a workplace design consultancy that's worked with companies like Shopify, Next, Spotify, and many more. We're all about success on your own terms here at Girlboss, and no one is a better embodiment of that than Roxy Nafusi. Roxy is a manifestation expert and a best-selling author of the book Manifest. So I'll be honest, I went into this conversation as a bit of a manifestation skeptic, but I read Roxy's book twice. And let me tell you, I was blown away. Today, we talk about crafting your dream life and if you can really manifest your way into your dream job. Want to find out? Keep listening. Hello, Roxy. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am really excited to have you here. How are you feeling today? I'm good. I am so honored to be on Girl Plus Radio and so excited to speak to you. We had a little pre-chat and I was just so obsessed with your energy and I just know this is going to be a really good conversation. Yeah, we had a great conversation. I think that there's a lot of alignment between the work that I do in diversity, equity, inclusion and the work that you do in manifestation. So I'm dying to get into it. You are the author of the book Manifest, a Sunday Times bestselling book for 24 weeks now. And this year it is being launched in the U.S., which is super exciting. What led you to manifestation? Oh, so basically, like I'm sure many people listening will relate to, I really didn't enjoy my 20s. They were not a good time. And I was really, really lost. I was battling addiction to cocaine and alcohol. I was suffering from quite severe depression. I had no career whatsoever, no prospects. I wasn't making any money. I had no motivation. And I realized that actually I had never truly known what it was like to be happy. I'd never experienced joy for anything, anything more than kind of like those quick highs at all. And I thought that that's just how I was always going to be. I thought I was destined for unhappiness. And I I'd had many rock bottoms, but there was one in particular in May 2018 where I really felt that I was hopeless. I felt hopeless. And I called my friend Sophia and she said, oh, I just listened to this podcast on manifesting. You should listen to it. And I was like, whatever. Honestly, I'll give anything a try at this point because I have nothing to lose. But my friend Sophia, by the way, is like, she's like this ethereal goddess. And to be honest, I thought it was going to be something that was shrouded in mysticism. And that was my kind of misconception even before listening to this podcast. But I listened to it and something within me clicked because what I learned was that you were manifesting from your self-worth and I had no self-worth. So I kind of felt like, hey, I probably am manifesting, but in the wrong direction. And I then went home and I started resetting everything I could on this practice. 
And two weeks later, someone called Wade messaged me on a dating app on 7th of June, 2018. And a year to the day on 7th of June, 2019, our baby boy Wolf was born. And four years on, yeah, my life couldn't look more different. I love that. So, and I remember I was listening to your book this past weekend and I listened to it twice in a row because it was so powerful. And at the moment, I'm located in Iceland. I was doing a big walk along the front harbor. So anyone that's been to Iceland will know that like infamous, it's right by Harpa. And there's this beautiful mountain kind of view and the ocean. And I was listening to your story and I loved how one of the things that you'd manifested for was unconditional love. And you had cited this as this is what brought Wolf and your partner at the time into your life, which was such a powerful manifestation. So let's get into like for folks that are new to the power of manifestation. I think there's a lot of conversations about manifesting and what it is and what it isn't. But I would love to hear from you. Like, what is manifestation? So manifesting is using the power of your mind to change and create the reality you experience. And for me, it is a self-development practice. And so I think that there is an idea that manifesting is a ritual. It's something you do for 20 minutes every night before bed, or it's, you know, about making a vision board or using visualization or doing these little rituals every day. And then that's how you manifest. But it's not, it's a way of living, you know, and I think that it is such a full and enriching practice that involves so many different aspects of philosophy and wisdom and, you know, science. And yeah, I just, I live and breathe manifesting and I laid it out, everything that I learned into these really clear and succinct seven steps, which is in my book. And I think it makes it really practical and actionable. Absolutely. And it's interesting because as I was listening to your book and reflecting on my own life, and I will say, I've never really been a massive believer in manifesting or the power of manifestation. But as I was listening to your book, I was like, damn, I've actually been doing this. Yeah. But I've been labeling it as like hard work. Mm. So I think that what I'd love for you to debunk, and I mean, at Girlboss, we are all about helping people to well, really kind of platforming experts like yourself and helping folks to carve through a lot of the noise around some of the world's best career advice, if you will. What are these folks getting wrong on TikTok and, and other social platforms about manifestation? It's such a good question and such an important one because manifesting, like, look, we all know it's become a trend. It's become such a buzzword and it's actually become a word that people are just using in language without even really like using it in the right way like sometimes I cringe hearing it because I'm like ah! and I think it's the problem with that the problem with something becoming a trend is that there is so much misinformation and it also really devalues the practice and so sometimes like I find when I meet someone new I don't know and I say you know what do you do I wrote a book or on manifestation I know what they're thinking I know the majority of them are like whatever, like manifesting because of these misconceptions on TikTok and the media. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that it is about visualization. It's about thinking really hard and then waiting for it to happen. And that's what gives, I think, this mystical and magical element to it, where people think that there is something unearthly about it. But it's not at all. It's not, you can't think your way to success. You know, we were saying the other day, I gave this example before that, 
you know, someone messaged me saying, can you manifest winning the lottery? No, you can't. Because this isn't magic. If we could do that, I'm sure many of us would have by now. But you can't because something like that is nothing to do with you. That is just pure luck. Manifesting is about becoming so empowered and so full of self-belief that you are able to make things happen. It's about working hard, hard on yourself, hard at what you want to do, aligning your behavior, stepping outside your comfort zone. You know, there's so much to this practice. Really, it all comes down to you, not just the way you think, but the way that you behave. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that you can't wish to win the lottery or put it on your vision board and have it happen. And that manifesting isn't just like, I'm going to manifest my dream purse. It's mm-hmm. about self-inquiry and deep inner work and the practice of self-worth and love and all those things. And I love, because in your book, you actually go into the science about manifestation. And I think that if you haven't read the book already, you should definitely check it out. Um, But I wanted to kind of dive into, in the book, you talk a lot about self-hatred and you talk about your own intimate experiences with feeling that in the past. What advice would you give to people listening right now that hate themselves? Oh, well, firstly, I think just to say, like, I'm so sorry that you're feeling that way and that I totally understand. And and actually, 99.9% of us understand what that feels like. And it's such a universal condition. And this idea that, you know, I think we're all born into this world full of this incredible self-confidence that you just need to look at children. They think that they could have everything they want. They love it. They've got kind of wonderful selfishness about them and they love themselves. And then life happens. And somewhere along the way, we start to believe or we get told by other people and form these beliefs that we're not enough as we are. And that just kind of continues to form these really, you know, deep belief systems within us that come out as self-hatred, low self-worth and block us in every area of our lives. And I think that the first thing is this kind of understanding that within all of us, for me, inner child work is like such a powerful healing process for this self-loathing is understanding that within all of us, there is that wonderfully confident version of ourselves that still exists within us. But secondly, there's that younger child within us who's been on that journey of learning these beliefs that are limiting us and being able to go back to our younger self and kind of delve into inner child work for me was really liberating because actually we're able to reparent this version of us that still exists within us and show them the compassion, the love that they deserve. But aside from inner child work, it's also being our own cheerleaders. It's understanding that we are the full package. We focus so much on the things that we are not and forget to zoom in on what we already are. You know, we're always looking for where we lack. But what about what we offer? And I think one really nice exercise is getting a picture of yourself and sticking it in the middle of a big piece of card and writing around it all the things that you are, all the things that make you so wonderfully unique. And when you do that, you're able to just redirect your attention. And that's what we want to do is we want to start to really put that emphasis on our unique qualities. And, and in, in doing so, we remember how wonderful we are. Yeah, that's wild. And you know what's interesting? It was that example in the book. That's the one that clicked for me and really hit me hard. So 
about eight years ago, I did a speaking engagement and I was asked to talk about who my inspiration was. And on this, and I thought it was quite narcissistic at the time, but I had said it was myself. And, and I said this in front of a group of like 500 people. But then I shared the reason why I felt as though I was my own inspiration. And I created a visual. And in that visual, I put my picture of myself and I put all these things that I had accomplished around it. And then in the next slide, I did a photo again of myself about all the things that I wanted to be known for by myself. And then obviously from an external perspective. And it's so funny because this is something I did at the time to visually show and kind of defend why I felt as though I was my own inspiration. But in that process, I had essentially done a practice that you recommend in your book that's directly related. Right? I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. And I love, by the way, that you said earlier, like, oh my gosh, I realize I've been manifesting all this time. I hear that a lot. Yes. Where people go, oh, I didn't realize I was already doing it. It's wild. So even for me, like I'm living in Iceland at the moment, something I've always dreamt of. And there's parts of me that still are kind of wondering, how did I get here? Uh, There was a time where the first time I came to Iceland, it was with two girlfriends and we were traveling around the country in a tent. And we had barely any money. We were eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the entire time we were here (laughs) because we were like, we have to travel. We have to go see Iceland. Beyonce was here with Jay-Z, like I think probably 10 years ago now. And I was like, I have to go. And this (laughs) this is before it was like super popular to come here. And I begged my friends to come out here. And I think that like the trip altogether cost us like less than 800 bucks. But now I'm here and I'm staying in an Airbnb and like I have an apartment and all these things. And It's wild, but I didn't realize. So this is like, I'm going to have to change my passwords. Iceland has been in my password for most of my things. No. For like the last, since I came here seven years ago. Oh my goodness. Isn't that so special? And what an opportunity for you to really sit in that feeling of accomplishment. Wow. Look how far I've come. Like to come full circle, you know, 10 years later, back to the same place but as a totally different person is so cool. I didn't realize it. Totally. When I was here before, I was in a job that I didn't really love. I had just gone through a super traumatic experience, a personal experience and gone through a bad breakup. And I remember having to change my Apple ID because I downloaded a travel app here. And I used Iceland 2016 because that was what was going on. And I've had that password up until recently, because I wanted to mention it on this podcast for my computer and all my things. So anyway, it was so funny. And I was like, this is so it's it's wild how there are times where I think that for people that are listening right now, it's it's possible that you've already manifested things mm-hmm. accidentally into your life. And I think that this is true, even for some things that don't really serve you, right? So my next question for you is, in your book, you talk about an exercise where you ask people to say that they love themselves. And I love this example because you do it in workshops and people have a really hard time in the book you say in terms of like saying what that is. But then you ask them the opposite question. You're like, okay, well, why don't you say some negative things about yourself? And you don't do this to inspire them. You're doing this to prove a point. And I quote say, they say it's too easy. So it's hard for them to say positive things, but too easy for them to say negative things. I loved when you talked about how you you personally gave your inner negative voice so much power that it, it had a voice of its own and overcame all the positive 
thoughts and perspectives and like the empowering voice that you had. What can people do to like build more positive self-talk practices? Well, I think that the first step has to be this awareness because, you know, we have over 60,000 thoughts a day and 95% of them are repetitive thoughts and 85% of those repetitive thoughts are negative. So our kind of negative self-talk is basically just on a loop. It's habitual. We're not even really aware of it. And so the first step has to be that we actually start to really take time to pause and notice when we're using this kind of language, what kind of things we're saying to ourselves. You know, it might be that every time we leave a meeting, we start saying, oh my gosh, I, you know, I said everything wrong. I wonder if those people are judging me. Or it might be that every time you look in the mirror and you start ridiculing yourself or whatever it is. But these things that we say to each other are so, we're so well practiced at it and we're so comfortable with it. And first we have to re-identify what are the things that we keep saying to ourselves. Why would you like people to start writing down what these kind of repetitive negative thoughts are just to bring us some awareness? And then one thing I always do, you know, with some of my clients is after I've asked them to spend a week kind of writing them down, is just trying to get them to really understand first where they're coming from, what's driving them, where they began, because they're not current, they're not new thoughts, they're so old and they're outdated. Like they need changing. And so, but we have to really look at them and see how we can tear them apart and how we can deconstruct them and how we can understand that they're no longer true. You know, they don't necessarily, they don't hold so much weight and power. But then what we can do is use affirmations. And for me, affirmations are such a powerful and easy tool to use, but because they're so easy, people don't often use them. So whenever I give tools that are really easy, People think there's no way that can change my life. It seems too simple, but it is actually these simple tools that are the most life-changing if we're consistent with them. Now, the reason affirmations are so powerful is because our subconscious always believes whatever you say to be true. So if you are saying, no, God, worse, less, I'm no good, your subconscious will align your world to fit with that belief system. Whereas if you start saying things to yourself, such as I deserve abundance, I'm worthy of love, I love the person that I am, your subconscious will get to work on fitting that truth and changing your reality so that it falls under that new belief system. And when we repeat a thought over and over again, that's when it becomes a belief. So if we keep saying to ourselves repeatedly over and over and over again, I am enough, I am worthy, we will start to believe it. What's really important to know for anybody that starts to use affirmations that you don't have to believe it for it to work at the beginning. You will feel silly when you look in the mirror and you go, I am a strong, independent woman and I love myself. You will feel silly. Okay. And you may laugh at yourself and you may even struggle to say it. And by the way, if that's happening, all the more reason you need it even more. <laughs> so know that it's okay. Your subconscious, like we said, doesn't know if you're telling the truth or not. It just takes it as truth. So the more you say it, the more you can stop those negative thoughts in their track and replace them with something positive and empowering and uplifting. And why not? When we have the power to choose our thoughts, why not choose something that's going to drive us forwards? Yeah. So I, I just wrapped up reading your book for the second time. And I've been dating for the last year and a half and I haven't gone on a lot of dates because they are a weird hellscape for me. Just make me feel super anxious and insecure and I get worried. And then what happens is that leads oftentimes to me being late 
or being like feeling really insecure or putting a lot of pressure on myself or buying a whole new outfit that I don't need for a date, you know, when I have dresses or outfits that I already love the way I look in. And I almost like create this whole new person to go on a date that's like not me. I heard you're in your book when I was like listening into it and you talk about the power of affirmations. And I was like, this is silly, but you know what? I'll take the advice and I'll try it because we're having this conversation. I want to be prepared and I want to speak about the power of it. So for the first time ever, I was doing my makeup ahead of the date. And of course, I got ready like four hours in advance because <laughs> anything could go wrong on these dates with me. And, I, and I'm and i not going to get into details, but any of my friends that know me well know that I have horrific dating stories. I, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Um, so I was listening to these affirmations because you suggested like there's affirmation tracks on YouTube had no idea this existed. So I was listening to this affirmation track for self-love, which was recommended in your book. And let me tell you, it worked. It worked. Yes! It worked. <laughs> I went to the date. I wore a dress I've owned for like five years that I feel really comfortable in from H&M, just showed up. And the first thing this person said to me when I sat down was, you are glowing. <laughs> oh my gosh, got goosebumps. Yes. And he was like, you seem like so calm. And not a lot of people would describe me as a calm person. Okay. I'm not calm, but that day I was. And it was wild that even something I'd done just a few hours before I like left my apartment and my comfort zone, I really embodied. So I don't know it, for anyone, if you haven't read the book already, you definitely should. But if anything, take this tip. It is a good one. I tested it. And I think that this is something you could apply to like a pre-job interview or going into a negotiation on your salary or having a tough conversation with your boss. The affirmation tracks, they work. And there's loads of ways that you can do this. You can create your own or you can find a track on YouTube. Where do you find your best affirmation tracks? So... For me, YouTube, I mean, I actually created nodes on my website because people were wanting them. I'd got career one, self-love, but I love YouTube. It's so easy. It's free, app, you know, resource. And there's so many different voices. And you want to find a voice that like you really enjoy listening to. Some voices you're like, well, that's not for me. And others you'll be like, oh, that really calms me. But it does totally shift your energy. And by the way, I want to say something about going on dates and just this one little tip that I love to share which is that before every day, what we often, what we are often saying to each other, and tell me if you agree, because we are thinking, I really hope this person likes me. What we should be saying is, I really hope I like this person. And that tiny little shift in language and perspective changes everything. Because the goal is not for them to like you. The goal is for you to find someone that you like. And that puts you in such a powerful position energetically. And I think just as a really nice like little takeaway. I totally agree. And I think that when you listen to affirmation tracks, whether it be weeks in advance or even that day, that are reminding you that you are awesome and that you deserve really great things and that you are loved and you're exactly who you need to be and where you need to be. Those affirmations help to support going and showing up and being like, you know what? I care more about whether I enjoy this person's company than if they enjoy mine. So I love that tip. So how can women wanting to empower a fulfilling career use the power of positive and affirming thoughts to craft the career of their dreams? You know, I think that 
for me, I've manifested everything that I have into my life. But the thing that I feel I've really thrived in is manifesting my career. This is really about taking action, stepping outside your comfort zone. And with your career, there's something you can be doing every single day to do that. And so all the seven steps can be applied to your career. But I think that, you know, the first step being hearing your vision is really trying to be specific about what job will fulfill you. Not just what job you want, but what will fulfill you and bring you that feeling of contentment. And for that, you're really trying to understand your purpose behind it. And that will be your like driving force. And that can apply to anything. You know, I always say to someone, okay, let's imagine somebody's working in IT, okay? And they think, how can I have a purpose? I just work in IT, right? They might feel that there's not an emotional connection. Or if they work in, I don't know, whatever, fashion, they think, oh, I'm just selling bags. Okay? Someone might think that. Whatever profession you're in, whether you're in IT or you're selling bags or you're in consultancy or whatever, there is an emotional connection at the end of it. If you take it back, you're providing a service for someone else that is bringing them joy or peace or ease into their life. And so when we're trying to manifest our careers and in our careers, it's really understanding how are you of service to other people in what you're doing? That's what's going to give you that driving force, that purpose, that intention, and allow you permission to dream as big as possible. Because actually, some of us fear that kind of like really going for this, like going big, like really putting down something wild on our vision board. But sometimes when we have that kind of purpose that's driving it, it gives us that permission, like, hey, it's not just for me, it's for other people too. And that can be nice. Yeah, definitely. No, I love that. And I think that one of the tips that you share, which is another one that I kind of not consistently, but have practiced here and there along my own professional journey is in the book, you give this powerful tip to no longer use the word if and to replace it with more affirming language. For folks that haven't read the book, why is that? Why is it that we should remove if from our language? So I always say that the universe is constantly listening to what we're doing, what we're saying. We're always in constant communication. And when we use words such as if, we're saying is we're doubtful. We're doubtful of its possibility. And what we want to do is we want to come to everything with this certainty. Fear and doubt is what's blocking us. And that's step two in my work. Fear and doubt is what's blocking all of us from our manifestations currently. And so we're trying to really make sure that we're eliminating any doubt. When we say if, what we're saying is it may, it may not, okay? But when we say when, we're saying damn straight it's going to happen, okay? And that's the energy we want to be going in with at all times. When I get this job, when I get this promotion, because it will happen. Because when you are so certain about something, your subconscious, again, is going to make sure that that truth comes to fruition, that that truth becomes your reality. It feels better. Like if anybody tries now, say, oh, if I get that job, and then just say, when I get it. You can feel an energetic difference just saying those words to different sentences. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you will embody that same mindset as well. 
So if you're showing up every day and you are saying, when I get that promotion, I'd imagine that you will likely show up to work in a completely different way than if you're saying, if I get that promotion. Exactly. Right. So I think that, you know, going back to the steps, it's like how you put into action is directly tied to the language that you use about what you're trying to bring into your life, what you're trying to attract into your professional realm and your career. I have to ask, so we have our Ask a Girl Boss, which is a uh, question forum from folks specifically on Instagram. And the question we got today was really awesome. And the question was, I manifested my dream job, but I hate it. What do I do? (laughs) Manifest a new one. Do you know, I think we manifest things into our life. It happens. Great. That should further our trust in the practice. Use that trust to really help you dive into that step seven, surrender to the trust in the universe. I can't even remember my own bloody step. Trust in the universe and surrender to the manifesting process. And then find something new. You know, I think that we, that we put too much pressure on ourselves to stay stuck. It's okay to change and grow and evolve. In fact, it's inevitable that we're going to, which means that the things that we want change. So go with that. You know, I've said actually in this next book I've written, but we have a fear about letting something go because we fear that it's a kind of sign of failure. Like, oh my gosh, if I change this job after I've just got it, what does that say about me? Does it mean that I'm a failure, that I'm not good enough, that I couldn't stick it out, I couldn't handle it? But I think letting go is a power move. It's a power move to say, do you know what? This isn't serving me. This isn't what I thought I was going to be. I want something different. I love that. So I think we're going to leave it there. I think that is a really great advice. Uh, so I wanted to thank our community member for sharing that question. And I also wanted to thank you for spending your time with us today. I've definitely learned more and I've read your book twice. <laughs> oh, thank you so much just from this conversation. And I'm sure that people listening in have learned so much as well. Is there anything you'd like to leave people listening in with before we wrap up? I think just knowing that you have the responsibility to change your life can be terrifying, but it's also unbelievably exciting. And I know that every single person listening here has limitless potential within them and does have the power to do and be anything they want to be. You just have to stop. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Roxy, for joining us today. This is an amazing conversation. (laughs) I feel like, what the hell am I going to manifest next? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Avery. It's been so lovely to chat. That's a wrap on this episode of Girlboss Radio. Thank you for tuning into my conversation with Roxy, where we talked about all things manifestation. Now, I'm hoping you're no longer a manifestation critic like I was, because it does work and it's backed by science. Please rate this episode or leave a comment to tell us what you thought and what you'd like for us to talk about next. Until then, keep blooming. <laughs>